Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I say your name. You solemnly swear. To support and defend. The Constitution of the United States. Against all enemies. Foreign and domestic. And to bear true faith. And allegiance to the same. That I will obey. The orders of. The President of the United States. And the orders of. Officers appointed over me according to regulations and uniform code of military justice. So help me God. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the American Vet Podcast. I am sitting here tonight with Stephanie. She is a USMC veteran. She served from 2006 to 2011, and she served, did some time with uh, 3rd Marine Division and CLB-5. Her MOS was uh, 0651, Cyber Network Operator, and now she's a teacher. Stephanie, how are you doing tonight? Good, how are you? Ah, doing good, I mean, <laughs> it's winter, not my favorite time of the year, but hey, getting through it. I get it, I get it. I know we were just talking about how cold I am out here, which is... It's not as cold as probably where you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little bit. You got to like knock off at least fifty degrees from you to me. So. Yeah. No, I'm I'm good. I'm good <laughs> where I'm at right now. Then. <laughs> All right, Stephanie. Like I said, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, prior to the show, I'm excited for this because you're my first Marine female veteran, and, and I'm trying to say that in the non-crappy stigma way. You know what I mean? appreciating the non-crappy stigma way. <laughs> right. You know. Um, so talk to me, like, what, you know, what made you decide to become a Marine or even in the military in general? So I initially went to college. I went, I just went to a junior college that's out here. Um, I wanted to join the military right out of high school, actually, because I was in high school when 9-11 happened and I was, it was in that very, like, the time when everybody was like, I want to join just to do something. Because it felt like doing nothing was worse. Um, but my mom got sick. So then I ended up staying local because I was like, okay, I don't want to be far away from her. And then once she started getting better, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I initially actually was going to go to the Coast Guard because I liked their uh, biological science department. Okay. And... um or even just a couple other programs and the fact that females are allowed to be in any job there, I thought was kind of awesome. <laughs> um, but the recruiter wasn't a sexist asshole. I should have asked, can I cuss? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like, after I do it, of course. But, yeah. um, but yeah, he was kind of a sexist asshole and he was trying to convince my then ex-boyfriend who was going with me because his dad was in the Navy. And he's like, I can understand a little bit more of what they're trying to say. And he was trying to convince him to join, to go with me. Um, I remember I went and I took the ASVAP. I got really good score. And I, and he was still like, he was like, oh, you need somebody there to protect you. And still trying to convince my, like I said, he was then my ex-boyfriend. So I'm like, I don't want him to come with me. Like, that yeah. sounds like a horrible idea. <laughs> um, and so I actually, I took my ASVAP and the rest of the branches were all out of a building that was right next to where I worked. 
So I took my ASVAP. I knew I didn't want to go in the army. No offense to anybody in the army, but like the only family member I have no respect for was in the army. So it was like, don't want that one (laughs) because don't want him to think that I was following his footsteps. Um, The uh, Air Force guys were never there because you have to hunt them down. And I'm not about that. They're usually at Starbucks. Yeah, there there probably was. There was another coffee place next to us, and then the art or the air, the Navy recruiter. I walked in there, and the guy was like very overweight, and I was like, "That's not a selling point." Yeah. For when you want somebody to go into, like, they were all super nice, but I was just like, you know what, whatever. So I walked in to the very last office, which was the Marines, um, and. Later, my recruiter, after I got back, was like, well, he's like, I kind of saw you being a Marine from the very beginning because you're cocky. And I'm like, oh, yay. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I walked in with my ASVAP scores printed and I said, OK, this is what I have. What can you do? Yeah. And then that's kind of it sealed it. Um, I ended up then switching all my ASVAP from the Coast Guard over to the Marines. And that's kind of just it just kind of all fell into place. Okay. So did you go in with like an open contract or is he kind of telling you like, here, here's cyber network operator? Like, was that like your. Um, with my scores, he was like, oh, you'd be really good with data um, and said that. And then Intel went on my paperwork because where they pick like the three jobs. Yep. So it was, I got data, Intel, and then my recruiter was a fixed wing mechanic. And he was like, he's like, I would love to see somebody that as tenacious and a smart ass and a hard worker go into that field. He's like, well, because he's like, I think that you would, you would shut anybody up that tried to to say anything. Hell yeah. And so he was like, oh, so he was like, oh, he's like, can I put my MOS down as a third option? Which I thought was like a a really cool compliment for somebody to be like, I would love to have you work with me eventually in my, in my, like world so um i was like yeah that's awesome like i'll take a compliment um but i ended up getting uh data which i loved (laughs) yeah so um throughout in the midwest when you or far west i should say or (laughs) um (laughs) yeah i'm pretty far west (laughs) yeah um and when you go into the marine corps like what was your feeling when you found out that like you're having to go all the way out east just to go to the boot camp. Like, what was that? <laughs> I was excited. I kind of was like, the feminist part of me was like, well, it's kind of bullshit that the guys that are from here just have to go down to San Diego. Yep. And like their families just have to make a drive. Like, so the guys that I recruited with their families just have to drive for my graduation. My mom and my, somehow my then ex-boyfriend still came to it. Um, <laughs> were the only two that got to be there for my graduation. And it was amazing. I'm so excited that they came. I loved being able to show them um, Paris Island, but it was, I mean, I signed up for an experience and an yep. adventure. And I think that was definitely the best way to get it started. Yeah. Right off the rip. Just like that. Yeah. There was no, there was no easing into it. <laughs> okay. So boot camp. I mean, like, like I know we talked a little bit prior to the show, but like, mm-hmm. So, I, you know, obviously I went to Paris Island too as well and everything, but um, mm-hmm. how different is it for a a female to go into boot camp knowing that – so on my side, I, we were told that like, hey, listen, they don't get 
to do a whole lot of hygiene stuff just like you guys don't. And I, and I always thought that was, I was like, well, wait a minute here. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, like the experience as being in there and, you know, just as a female in there. Um, I, you know, what's funny is like, I look back and the only thing I remember from like the hygiene stuff was like, we still ran around the shower. Like yep. it was still not like you get to actually shower. Everybody goes in and you're like soaping and there's one person like squeezing soap in everybody's hands as you're going through. Yep. Um, I remember that. I don't remember, like, sorry for anybody who gets grossed out, for anybody, like, most of us don't get our periods when we're there, which is super convenient looking back, yeah. like, because that would have sucked. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that wasn't a big thing, but it was funny because with all of that, our hair was still required to be perfect. Right. And so you're like, okay, I have curly hair. It, this is, <laughs> this is, it needs work. It needs some <laughs> effort. For flyaways, because I don't know how many like times like I have one flyaway and my kill hat would just come up and rip it right out, and that was always a fun day. Yeah, and I got you know you brought up the kill hat thing, and I gotta say I've seen a couple of your of the female kill hats definitely yelling at you guys, and they would definitely put some Marines that I know even to this day to very a lot of shame. Like, so, like I just want to get that out there for the listeners. It's not easy for a female, and <laughs> that it's not like it, they just two hours of beauty in the morning and then go out there and do their thing. It's very, it's very tough for you guys as well. I was, it was highly entertaining. Actually, one of my, like, you know, you look back and people are like, you probably, it all sucks. And I was like, actually, I have a lot of very fond memories from boot camp. Yeah. A lot of really shitty ones. Yeah. But there was one time and I think we were in like second phase and we were somewhere. And whenever we were anywhere near a male um, platoon that was out there it was like everybody looked down you're not supposed to look over there yep. like a very like separate world and we had to sit down because we were like going I don't I have no idea where we were going for this adventure and so they were like look down when the male drill instructors walk by so we're all sitting there down and then I hear our senior and our kill hat go oh really and we're kind of like all kind of like look up like side eye to see what's yep. going on and apparent, like our senior was stunning. Like, I I still look back and I'm like, that woman was freaking gorgeous. Like, yeah. I don't even understand it. But um, apparently, a couple of the guys were ogling her, um, okay. <laughs> and she decided to have fun with them. And then their drill instructors were just sitting there, they're dying laughing because this boy looked like he wanted to both cry and shit himself at the same time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and. And then after I remember this, the drill instructor for him was like, oh, he's like, oh, he's like, you had your turn. I get mine in a little bit. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I felt so bad for him. I was like, you just keep your eyes down next time, guys. <laughs> like, yeah, but it was just funny. It was like there were so many funny moments in boot camp that like looking back and I'm like, it was actually, I think, hilarious, which might have been how I got through it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, we we all have our our funny moments in boot camp and but uh you know, I was asked before, you know, somebody's like, knowing now, after you complete a boot camp, would you ever go back and how would it be different? Because mm -hmm. knowing that, like, now that you've been out in the fleet for so yeah. long, like going back to boot camp, it would just all be funny. You'd have to laugh at all of it, you know? <laughs> I think, like, yeah, I think, like, that's the thing. It's like you go, you get out and you you get into the fleet and you're like, oh, I know so much shit. And then you're there for like three days and you're like, I know nothing. Like, yeah. I, there was not one damn thing that actually helped me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you get out of boot camp. Um, so where do you go mm -hmm. for like, 
I mean, because you still have to go MCT and everything else. And this might be a, a yeah. dumb question, but so do you go back to the West for your MCT or do you, are you still in no. the East? We, um, I got to go home for a week, I want to say. And then it's been so long. Yeah. Um, and then had to go back out to, um, oh, shit. Was it Lejeune? No, it wasn't Lejeune. Where is MCT out in the East Coast? Why did I just blank it? North Carolina. Yeah, you're pretty much close. Yeah, okay. It's right next to it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, shit, where was I? <laughs> I was like, that one I have like, so I, I think my fewest memories are from MCT other than two people getting caught having sex in a portageon, which is disgusting. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like, I made bad life choices, but I can honestly say I've never made that life choice. And so I'm okay with where I'm at in my life. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, so we went out there, and then um, I think, yeah, that's probably where I have the fewest memories from the Marine Corps from is MCT. Right. The MCT was kind of like, it was that first place that you go to after boot camp, but it was still boot camp-ish. And yeah. it's just like a lot of land nav and a lot of training and everything else. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, cyber network uh, or data, where's your, now after you're done with MCT, where's your MOS school? Like, where do, where do you get to go from there? It's in 29 Palms, California, so you, okay. which for me is amazing because in school, you could only go 60 miles. Uh, you can get like your libo chip for like out to 60 miles, I want to say. And where my parents lived at the time was like 58 miles away. Perfect. So my <laughs> liberty got granted every weekend, um, which was kind of nice. Um, nice. So- that was one of my favorite things was like being so close. My family could come out and visit me. They visited me as often as they could because they didn't know where I was going to go next. And right. So they kind of took advantage of me being close. So 29 palms, you're happy. Things are going mm-hmm. good. You're like, man, I'm such a good decision to join. So where do you, where do you go uh, after 29 palms? I go to third Mar Div, which is in Okinawa, Japan. Yep. <laughs> yep. So what was that? So like, I'm trying to build up a thing for my listeners. So you're like, I want an adventure. So you end up going to the Marine Corps right away. They're sending you off to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Then you come home for a week and then they send you back to North Carolina. Then you come home for a little while. And now you're going to Japan. Like, yeah. what was your, like my personal reaction was completely off the wall. Like I, I'm going to somewhere. I don't know. I mean, I barely know English now. Never mind Japanese. <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> um. I was stoked. I was like, you know what? This is awesome. I had looked into a lot of the things that were out that way. Um, and one of the big things, like, I, I know I've talked to a couple of my friends and they're like, I joined the Marine Corps to kill bodies. And I'm like, that's cool. I also knew that the <laughs> Marines had a lot of access to humanitarian projects. Yep. And like I said, I wanted to join because I wanted to make a difference. I also thought part of that difference would be better images of the United States, maybe <laughs> in <Right>. some countries. <laughs> so I was super, like, I was super stoked to go to another country, but that was another country that probably wasn't in the same capacity that like a regular deployment would have been considered. Right. So it was, I was way stoked about it. I, I loved it out there. Okay. All right. I, I mean, maybe I got, I got butthurt over it because I got, as soon as we landed, I, uh, they took all my Slim Jims. <laughs> they took you slim jims yeah because i bought one of those you know those barrel things you can buy of slim jims because they're like yeah mm-hmm. it's a 36 hour flight from freaking seattle and i'm like well shit i'm gonna get hungry and like i was coming off of ecstasy like years of my life 
So I was like, and that's what I used to okay. do is put in my mouth when Slim you, Jims. When you first said that, I was thinking that you were just like after boot camp, just coming off ecstasy, getting on a plane to go to Japan. Like, that's, <laughs> that's not that's how it an works. Adventure all in itself, <laughs> right there. So I was still very addicted to Slim Jims, anyway. So, and I remember getting into <laughs> into uh, into the customs, and a guy grabs the Slim Jims, and he's like, "You can't have any of these," and throws them away. I'm like, really, dude? I was like, you got, I'm like, probably half these people coming in have drugs on them, but you're going to come after me yeah. for my Slim Jims, but. It's a very addictive substance. <laughs> yeah. And then you get on the island. They're like, here, you got to wear this white shirt for, I think it was like two weeks. You got to wear a white shirt everywhere. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like. I didn't, I don't remember having to wear a white shirt. Yeah. When you're. I just remember we couldn't, we couldn't change out of our, we couldn't leave the base until yep. we got put on with our unit. And I remember that first building that we had to stay in was like the absolute shittiest conditions. Like it was, it, I'm pretty sure the walls were stained and shit. Like I yeah. don't even understand it. <laughs> like it was gross. Yeah. Uh, lucky for me, I was on Hanson. So I, yeah. I had an old air force barracks. So my barracks were fucking gangster when I was in Okinawa. Like you would walk oh, in yeah. and you'd open up a door and you'd be like in our common kitchen area and a common mm-hmm. bathroom. And then you're looking at two other doors. And one was your roommate's door. He had his own 8x8 room with a locked door. And you had your own 8x8 room with a locked door. Okay, that's BS. I'm going to call it right now. Um, No, but you didn't have to. So when I first got there, I had to stay on Foster until they gave me my paperwork for my unit. Like, we didn't officially know which base we were going to until we got checked in at Foster. Right. Yeah. And I kind of, I did the same thing. I'm just saying like okay. when, when I finally After got that. my unit and like my, my unit's barracks, that's how it was set up. And it was, it was oh, fucking okay. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Now mine was shitty. I mean, it, it was my, when I finally got to Courtney, it was much nicer than the, the check-in ones on Foster. Yep. The only thing that was nice about the ones on Foster is that it was walking distance from the spot, which is where yeah. you could go get pizza. And they had that movie room. Yeah. And, and then King other, Taco like, or Taco Rice and Cheese everywhere. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I was not a huge fan of Taco Rice and Cheese. I'm not going to lie. I still eat it today. I make it at home. <laughs> I grew up with actual tacos. So that yeah. felt forced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so did you ever get your dives li- diving license out there or anything like that? No, I started to. And yep. then something happened with the tank on Courtney. And then it was like, oh, it got postponed. And then by the time. I was going to be able to do it. I wouldn't have had time to finish it before I left. Right. So I still have my book somewhere. That's the shitty part. And I <laughs> wish I could go. I, I'm like, I don't live that far from the ocean. I probably should just do it now. Right. And I snorkeled a lot. Yeah, absolutely. That was the extent. And spearfished and did all that, that yeah. stuff. Beautiful water out there. I, You know, and I live in Massachusetts and there's like... I don't live anywhere near water. I got to drive like two and a half hours and it's still not even good water when you get there. Aww. Well, you got Rhode Island. They kind of jack everything up for us. But anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so I got my dive license when I was over there and I try to tell everybody like, listen, dude, that if, if you go to Okinawa for two years, three years, the biggest thing you need to do is get your damn dive license. It's absolutely yeah. worth it over there. Yeah. I definitely regret not finishing it. Yeah. So when you were, uh, so what what did you think of the island overall, your experience there? Would you go back there nowadays? Like, what did you like most about, like, the culture? I, there's there's so many things that I liked. I would love to go back not being attached to the military. Yeah. Because um, I feel, 
luckily, because when you're a female and you don't sport the typical blonde hair, blue eyes that they think Americans have, right? I just kind of look like some kid that their dad probably knocked somebody up and then left. Um, (laughs) So I didn't have issues, but I remember my ex-husband and some of my friends, we would go places and they would get kicked out of places and I wouldn't. Okay. So I thought that was a super weird part of the culture. Um, but I enjoyed it. I loved going to like the Naha tug of war. I went to, or, Oh yeah. Yeah. Naha. Yep. Um, yeah. And you get a piece of the rope. Yeah. I, have, yep. I still have a piece of the rope. Yep. I, um, I remember going up to the butterfly gardens and the pineapple wine distillery up there and lots of alcohol, uh, and chew highs. Yeah. Chew highs galore. <laughs> um, but I just, I enjoyed just kind of seeing a different lifestyle. And um, I used to volunteer uh, to go help teach English in some of the elementary schools that were out in town. And so um, I loved that part and getting to okay. work. With, I love working with kids. I mean, yep. still do. Um, but I definitely got to experience it in a different capacity at that time. Perfect. So now you get done with Okinawa. Now, like, where are you going from Okinawa? Uh, I, then I went to Cap Pendleton um, with CLB5. Okay. How did you like that? And that was that was a culture shock. Coming back to California, um, being a couple hours away from home, but going from Third Mardiv, where you're actually in charge of stuff, Yep. And like the things you're doing trickles down to other units. Um and like kind of being in a place where decisions that actually matter are made to being with a unit that's much lower that are making decisions that they feel are these huge things and you're like that's uh, going to get turned down very soon. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, uh, that's nothing. <laughs> I my lieutenant I think my lieutenant hated me. Um because he'd be like, you need to do this. And I'm like, that's illegal. Like, I'm not doing that. And he's like, it's not illegal. And I was like, it's illegal. Yep. And like, even because he wanted uh, he wanted me to run a cable out of our vaults because our sipper satellites weren't working. And he's like, yeah, just run it from the vault. And I was like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> I will. You can get me in trouble. And I, and I uh, this is probably where my mouth gets me in trouble the most because I'd be like, I don't care. Write me up. Yeah. And I was like, because I'll just, I'll fight it and I'll take it up. And when anybody higher than you sees what you were trying to do, I won't be the one in trouble. Yeah. And he kind of dropped it, but that was, yeah, it was, it was a lot more of like fighting just to get like to move an inch as opposed to the division. It felt like it was a, it was a much more cohesive family in the okay. calm arena. Okay. All right. So. so. So how long are you, because I'm assuming you did, and I could be wrong, but I'm assuming you did like, what, two years in Okinawa? I was there for, because um, my entire contract was five years. Yep. So the first everything took about a year, and then I was out there for two and a half years, and I was only with CLB5 for the last year and some change. Okay, perfect. So then you decide, you know, you decide to get out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so the transition of you getting out of out of the Marine Corps of, you know, doing something that a lot of a lot of females nowadays just don't understand, like, and and I can't really speak for them, but I'm just saying, like, it takes a lot more courage for a female to join the Marine Corps than it does any other branch, and I applaud you for that. But well, thank you. Yeah. You know, so. Just, the, 
it's weird. Cause it's like, you don't think about it. Like I didn't realize I knew I was going to be a percent of a percent, but I yep. don't think you realize what that means until you're in the middle of it. Right. Um, like it's like to the point of in my barracks, we females are put on the second floor so that guys couldn't break into their room when yep. they were drunk and assault them. And that's such a weird part when that's part of just the day to day life that that's just accepted. It's, it's very, it's almost like it's a terrifying moment to be in when you're like that precaution had to be put in place because it's happened enough times. Right. Um, so that's like, I think the only thing that I think was like a super weird, like realization when I was just like, Oh, that's the culture. Yeah. And it's not like at no point do I want to say like all male Marines are chauvinist pigs that rape people like that's at no point am i trying to say that but the acceptance of ill behavior is definitely much it's much more accepting right of like that's just how it is like i've had female marines be like well that's part of the price of being in the in the boys club and it's like no it's not yeah it's not a part of the price like at the end of the day my vagina is still my vagina like i did i mean I guess it might have been on lease to the government for a while, but not for that practice. <laughs> right. Um, so that was a really interesting thing. And I caught myself like in that weird dynamic of every female's known as either a bitch or a slut. Right. Right. And, and it's like, I'm not, I'm not a bitchy person. That's not my personality. I'm very go with the flow for the most part. Right. I yelled a handful of times at Marines. Um, I ended up being mom to a lot of people because they were just like, oh, you're just too sweet. Like, we can't call you a bitch. And I was like, well, you, you can. I don't okay. really care. <laughs> um, and so, but yeah, it was, it, it's, that was, I think, one of the weirdest things. It was just, it's like, you get put in a box before you even realize it. Yeah. And unfortunately out there too, um, you know, if someone like yourself was like, if me and you were just walking, like, cause we're in the same unit and we're just friends or we're just talking it. But if we walk from our barracks to the PX or something like that, there's a hundred million stories that start just oh, by yeah. that, you know, and it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible out there, but it, you know, that's, and I don't want to sound like I'm okay with it, but mm-hmm. just the ratio out there, that's how things are. And it don't need to be that way. Like if everybody you know. just, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, like, you're being like, they don't need to be that way. <laughs> yeah, they don't. And, you know, like, the barracks issue with you, like, I never realized mm-hmm. that, like, you know, how that made you feel. Because when I'm there, I'm, you know, I'm a belligerent fucking Marine, too, you know. I'm out there. Mm-hmm. I'm getting drunk, and I'm trying to not get in trouble and cutting the fence to get back on base at night because it's after midnight and I fucked up, you know. But, like, why yeah. can't, you know, I never thought about, like, okay, I'm going into the barracks where I have to be on the second floor because of all the stigma that's there. It's just, mm-hmm. that's a heck of a blow in the mind, I guess. Yeah, I think it was, because I remember asking, because it was like, they used to put people kind of by their units. And <laughs> I always got grouped with, there wasn't a lot of data Marines in headquarters. Um, so I always had like a UT Marine that was with me and they all lived on the first floor or like, or supply and a lot of them lived on the first floor and like some on the second floor and I was like that's strange and I remember asking it and the and the barracks manager like just was like oh he's like it's because we can't have females on the first floor because guys would break in through their window 
Yeah. And you're like, but those are my brothers. Like those are yeah, right. the people that are supposed to have my back the way that I have their back. And it was, it was a very frustrating. And then it kind of was like, okay, at the end of the day, all I can do is be responsible for who I am and just try to do as many things as I can to protect myself. But right. it was like, it felt like I, sometimes you have to have another pair of eyes over your shoulder without even realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different type of battle that you have to fight day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And then I know, cause you brought up like the whole walking to the bear, like walking from the barracks to the yep. PX. And so I remember one time I was sitting there with my, with my now ex-husband, but um, we were dating at the time. And one of his friends calls and he's like, dude, your girl's over here on some guy in, on another base. And I'm like, where am I at? And he's like, oh shit, there's a doppelganger. And I was like, can you please, <laughs> please like verify it's me before you start spreading rumors right. of the shit I'm doing? Because that was, it was frustrating. There was a, there was a girl at 29 Palms that had the same last name as me. And she did a lot of crazy things. And I always hear, oh, did you hear what Sal did? And I'm like, Sal, this Sal did not do it. It was the other Sal. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. So it, it was just interesting. Like it was, it was a, there was a gossip wheel ready to go for females. I mean, the same for the males, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that Island is only what, 70 miles long anyway. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it doesn't take yeah. long for something to go from, you know, from Naha all the way up to, you know, Swab, you know, even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it gets there and it gets there quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now you're getting out of the Marine Corps. Um, mm -hmm. Now you're back in, you know, you're back in your home state. You're getting out of the Marine Corps. You know, did you stay down in Pendleton area or did you actually like go back home and are you still doing, I know you're, you're, you're teaching, but are you doing anything related into your, into the data still today? So I wanted to get out of data. Fixing computers for Marines <laughs> made me not want to do that with my life. Um, yep. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I actually initially moved up to another state because uh, that's where my ex-husband was from. And then when things didn't work out, I came back down to California. Um, and I've noticed that I'm, I'm still very technically capable. And so I end up fixing computers at my school for everybody, or I end yep. up fixing like the PA system for like the school, <laughs> just because I can do it faster than we can get our district's IT there. Um, so it's still a lot of the things that I learned still come in handy and I'm grateful for it. I work with middle school. Um, yep. And like, I think I told you, I'm, I'm only five, four. Yep. So I'm not like a super big, I'm not like, I, I sound very bubbly when I talk. And so my principal, when he was hiring me was like, I don't really think you'd be good for middle school. He's like, I think that you're too sweet for them and they're going to walk all over you. And then he saw Marines and he's like, you know what? We're going to test this out. And then <laughs> yeah. after he was like, Nope, I am never moving you away from middle school. Those kids <laughs> listen to you. And he's like, you just have a way of being stern, but also being somebody that they like want to listen to. And I was yep. like, yeah, I'm an idiot half the time. So they pay attention for the jokes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so like, I still use a lot of the things that I learned in the Marine Corps on a like pretty daily basis, I think. Um, yeah. But definitely not in a career aspect at all. <laughs> Well, it's got to make you feel great. Like I said, you're, you're that 1% of the one percenters out there and mm -hmm. that just did it. And, you know, if I were, if, you know, if I was hiring a bunch of people and I seen two resumes come on my desk and one was a, a male Marine and another one's a female Marine, I'd be more lead, you know, cause the mental aspect of that, you know, whether you do four, eight, six, 10, 12, 20 years is just, mm -hmm. is it, you got to be crazily strong in the brain. I think, I feel. 
it's it's a weird because you get some of both <laughs> i yeah. mean the same thing like you're gonna see some like male marines that are insanely strong-minded and capable and then you're gonna see the ones that you're like how how do you pull your pants on in the morning like i don't get it yeah. and the same thing with females across the board um there's the ones that take what they learn and run with it and you know, like apply it and like that whole thing of like even having good leadership and bad leadership and taking and taking both of them and learning from both of them right this makes you a more capable person and so i'm grateful for a lot of the things that i learned when i was in um both data wise and just competency wise like just being a a, a whole person <laughs> like yeah, i think it helped me absolutely so i just want to ask you for you know for the listeners out there anybody that could be listening to this and uh you know do you have any piece of advice for you know of uh, somebody thinking about joining the Marine Corps as a female mm-hmm. or in the Marine Corps that's going through the feelings that you had to go through, like what yeah. helped you get through all that? You got any advice for all them? I think is my big thing. I love proving people wrong. Yeah. I love it. I, I learned my systems that I had to work on better than most. Like I knew them inside and out. I made it so that way anybody who would do like, because I had people that would come in and be like, oh, I don't want to work with female Marines. You guys are only good as a mattress. Like, and you're like, all right. Kind of fuck you. Shit then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I just remember like looking at them and being like, you have no idea what I'm capable of. And all you can, right. the only thing is that you pee standing up and I have to sit. Sorry. My bad. Right. Because if I pee standing up, it's a mess. Um, Five-year-old me already tried. But <laughs> it's... <laughs> Like you just like you look like the thing is, is just to be like, you have to kind of go in with a fuck you mentality at the end of the day. It's people are going to say what they're going to say. They're going to do what they're going to do. You can only be responsible for yourself. And if you want it, if you want to wear that EGA, if that's something that means something to you, then you wear it and you represent it as wholeheartedly as you can. Well said. Yeah. Be you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, it's. I just remember like I would join veteran groups at school and I'd walk in and they'd be like, Oh, are you in the air force? Like, no mm-hmm. army, Mm-mm. Navy. Nope. I'm like, there's only two more. Which way are you going to go on this one? <laughs> yeah. And they'd just be like, okay, no, you're a Marine. Marines are cocky. And I was like, it's not cocky. It's just knowing what we're worth. Right. It's confidence. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and- yeah, thank you for that. That was well said. And uh, now you're, you're a fellow podcaster as well. I know. I'm, I am. I keep asking you questions and you're taking a sip of your drink there. So <laughs> I know it's coffee because I needed it. Um, <laughs> I am also a fellow podcaster. I, uh, I have two podcasts that I run. Um, one is called Finding the Funny and I get to talk with uh, stand-up comics or other people that work in the comedy world um, about their writing style and kind of what gets them on stage and what motivates them to do this. Cause I yep. also do stand up comedy. Um, that's the fun. Um, <laughs> I'm just as awkward on stage as I am right now, just so that you're aware. But, um, yeah. So finding the funny is, is so, I have so much fun with that. Like, cause I get to talk to people that do what I do and they do it because they love it. Outstanding. So, where can, you know, people can find that, that podcast at and stuff. Of course. So finding the funny, you can pretty much find it almost anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, 
gosh, tune in. Um, it's pretty much everywhere. It's like the I and I I launch it through Buzzsprout, so like I have it. It has its own page that people yeah. can go and click on and listen to, which I know I'm going to send you a link for my Instagram because all the links are there. Yep. Um, and it's it's just a it's a lot of fun, like just talking with people that make people laugh for a living. Yeah. No, and that, and I give you a lot of courage for that too. I mean, every now and then I I have my moments of inspiration where I re, you know <laughs> get a little bit too much Tito's in me, and I'm like, oh, I could be a comedy guy. That's not that hard. I can just go up there and make a fool of yourself. But it really, it is really, it is really hard. Um, it's so funny. I whenever my friends would be like, I can do this. I'm like, there's a stage. Go do it. Yeah. And then they'll get up and then they like walk right down. And they're like, fuck that. And I was yeah. like, it's it's. It's not just walking, and as much as people think, like, some some comics do that, where they walk on stage, and they're just like, I'm going to say whatever comes to mind, and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, yep. but a lot of it is is pre-writing, and testing jokes, and and thinking, and trying to find a perspective that's different than everybody else's out there, yeah. and so it's definitely, it's fun, I love it, I got a social distance show that I get to do um tomorrow which is amazing because shows that really haven't been happening since march and i've gotten a couple um perfect and it it's a blast like i love like there's nothing like the rush of getting on stage and making people laugh to something that that you wrote that you came up with right it's so much fun oh absolutely and, i mean have um, you and oh what was that <laughs> I'm sorry. Have you had to deal with any like hacklers or anything like that? Because I feel like as soon as somebody says "boo," I'm whipping a shoe at him. You know what I mean? I'm a dude, but I'm a, I got to take the shoe off. I think that would be funny, but you know, I have I've gotten a couple hecklers, and I'm actually it's I'm I'm a smartass, so yeah. I'm I'm pretty good on the spot. Better than um, being a dumbass. Yeah, it definitely. <laughs> I um I had a heck. I've had the weirdest hecklers, um, like. It's sometimes you'll get like a really drunk guy and I'm not hideous as a person, but I'm not drop dead gorgeous. Like I'm, I'm okay with where I'm at in my life. It's fine. Um, and I had like this one guy who's super drunk sitting in the front and he's like, I'd fuck you. And I was like, mm, I feel like you're not going to be able to perform like, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> um, and just kind of just like bullshitting back and forth. But like, it's, yeah, you get hecklers, you get people that you piss off. I had one show and I have a lot of, um, blue material that's darker more kind of offensive material potentially <laughs> and i remember doing one show in the very first joke i said was a joke that wasn't very offensive i or i don't think it's very offensive and this one lady starts shaking her head and like oh that i already offended you and <laughs> yeah. i decided to di di dive in to my most offensive material for the rest of the time that i was up on stage and i completely changed my set because I had already pissed her off. So I was like, well, it can only go up from here. Yeah. Um, and after she ended up coming up and buying me a drink and she's like, I did not want to like you. And she's like, and you made me laugh really hard. And I was like, Oh, like that's, that yeah. makes me happy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, once again, I'm applauding you. That's, uh, <laughs> I can't do it. I can do it in my man cave when it's me and like my buddies. But other than that, uh, People I don't know, because I, I don't know, if she started shooking her head, I, I would have just got mad at her. You know what I mean? I would have just. Yeah. <laughs> like, the whole job, like, one of the things that's, that I love about it is one of the jobs about comedy is to make people laugh about the things that they don't want to laugh about. For me, yeah. it is, at least. 
And so it's like, okay, if I can make somebody shake their head and then make them turn around and be okay with me, at least okay with me. It's like, I got somebody to think about something that they didn't want to necessarily think about and just in a different way. Like I have gone up and I have jokes that are about rape. And it's funny because like you get people and they're like, oh, and I'm like, if you listened, it was an anti-rape joke. And now I'm concerned for my safety. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Um. And so you're just like, it's, you're looking at stuff and I'm like, at no point am I saying like, go out there and write people. If anything, I'm telling you it's dumb and it's stupid and it's not the thing to do. And, um, but like being able to laugh at it at the same time, I think it's the only way that people, it makes it palatable. Right. And I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I do have the other podcast, which is the reckless nerd, which is live on Facebook and Twitch every Thursday 8 30 pacific standard time and that one is me and another stand-up comic talking about nerd stuff which means video games comic books movies tv shows random nerd things that are happening in the the world lots of star wars harry potter anime yeah and i mean i don't i'm gonna try to say something here but i'm not trying to make it sound (laughs) bad to anybody but you gotta admit like the nerd uh community has definitely grown because of covid this year it has. And I I have like this weird like love and anger towards like growing up and having to buy uh superhero shirts in the boys department because they didn't make them for girls. And yeah. like now my daughter has like little shirts that are cut really cute because they're for girls and <laughs> they have like Superman on the front. And I'm like, this is BS. Like I had a cut up boys shirts just to make them fit me. Yeah. And so it's like seeing the nerd girl, the nerd girl community grow and be more accepted is awesome. Like, I love it. Awesome. So you get to look at your daughter and be like, back in my day, I had to cut up my friend Jimmy's shirt to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's she like, I know I'm like, and we had to walk both ways up till in the snow. Like it's getting <laughs> yeah. super dramatic. Um, <laughs> but it's fun. Like, and both my kids are nerds. Like my daughter loves coding and I get to teach her that. and. Um, but she like wants to make video games and perfect. I, I love it. I think that the fact that it's accepted and that it's something that girls want to do, I am wholeheartedly, but I definitely have had to have the conversation about, cause like she was playing a game and the boys, when they found out she was a girl, didn't want her playing. That's... And I was like, uh... and I was like, unfortunately, <laughs> when the girls are starting to go into the world, boys are, they're not always accepted and you have to just prove to them why you deserve to be there. Right. Kind of like what you did in the Marine Corps. Yep. So very, I have a very strong little stubborn girl that uh, now is telling me that she wants to join the military and maybe be a medic. So. Oh, perfect. So, Are you okay with her joining the military or? I told her that I would support whatever decisions she made, but that I would feel more comfortable if I knew that she could make sound decisions. Um, that would be the best for her and her group. So I was like, still as a female, there's things, I mean, even with my son, it's like those things you're like, I have to worry about things that I'd never thought I would have to worry about for both of my kids. And it's just like my job to try and prepare them for life so that they can handle whatever comes their way as best as possible. Okay. All right. Well, you know, Stephanie, I want to, I don't want, I think we're running out of time here. So I want to say thank you for, (laughs) for coming on the show. I'm, I'm deeply honored. Um, if you ever want to come back, come on back. Uh, listeners, I'm going to have some show uh, in the show notes here. I'm going to have some links for her 
her two podcasts. I know I'm definitely going to go check them out because, you know, pre-talking and just talking to you to the show, I think you're, uh, I think you'd be pretty good at that whole stand-up comedy thing. And I don't know. I like to laugh when I'm driving. So, uh, all right. And I'll have to send you a, maybe I'll have to find an old show and send it to you. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So listeners get in the link there and, uh, Stephanie, uh, thank you again, once again for getting on the show and, and, uh, Hopefully, uh, you know, your, your comedy, you get to take the comedy show on a, on a tour and you come over here to Massachusetts for whatever reason. Um, yeah, no, that's on my bucket <laughs> list actually is to perform in every state. So, so someday, hopefully. Okay. Well, good luck to you. And once again, thank you for getting on the show and, and listeners, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you. If we look to the answer... As to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high. But we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom.